Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and I am joined by my co-host and brother from another mother, Corey B underscore MTG. <laughs> what is up, Corey B underscore MTG? Oh, FFF freak. MTG, it's going so good, man. I just can't even tell you right now. And I just love our new nicknames for each other instead of actual names. It, it really now, does I, save time. I have two things to say. First off, you can find this podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. <laughs> Secondly, you had one too many Fs in that name, so I don't know if you're talking to me, who is FF Freak MTG or FFF oh, no. Freak MTG. Oh, no, Brad. I added a fantastic at the beginning because you're so oh, cool. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you're you. Welcome. Now, <laughs> what, what is also cool is some of the upcoming events this weekend, and that is going to be the vocal point of our conversation, which is standard because we've got two awesome tournaments coming up. But before that, we must introduce our special guest. Now, we scoured high and low to bring mm. in a very special guest to talk about standard. And it is none other than the mastermind who brought us the best of one Esper hero deck from last week on social media. That is Brian Brown doing what is up BBBD. Hey, uh, thanks for calling me bodacious by the way. And uh, I gotta say, thanks for having me on the cast too. Honored to be here. One thing though, that didn't make sense is I don't, what is best of one? You kept saying that. I don't. Well, the deck that you posted on social media, in fact, had 75 or sorry, excuse me, uh, 80 cards in the main deck and a companion. So there was no sideboard. Okay. So what's best of one? Like, I don't, what, what, it's what, where what, you what, play one game, Brian. It's just where you play one game on Magic Arena. Yeah. Okay. But I, I like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, my deck is a just your, a normal your deck. Your, your deck did not have a sideboard, and therefore it was a best of one strategy. Okay, I, I'm not following. Like, just because I don't have a sideboard doesn't mean anything. That's a conscious choice. Well, but, we've uh, made a terrible <laughs> mistake. <laughs> uh, thanks, so, but really, no honor to be on the podcast. Love your work. Glad you brought me in as an expert. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, sorry, I can't even get the word out. Um, Before we get too far into this episode, we do have a short commercial break from our hashtag unpaid sponsor. Hey, Corey, how's it going? I'm great, bro. How about you? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Right, I said I'm doing great. I'm just about to actually play in an online magic tournament. Well, have you heard of MTG Melee before? Yes, Brad. That's pretty much all you talk about it. And that is also where my tournament is being held. Well, did you know that there are daily tournaments on MTG Melee ran by almost 300 organizers that currently use the website? Yes, Brad. That I just said that's what I'm doing. All you have to do is make an account at MTGMelee.com and find a tournament you're interested in. I know, I know, Brad. It's that easy. But what if I don't want to play in tournaments? Well, you can become a tournament organizer and run them yourself. On our homepage, there's a link to apply. Okay, but I'm not really MTG sure. MTG but... Melee, your number one source for organizing and playing online magic tournaments. Hashtag sponsored, bro. Hey, also, how much are we getting paid for this commercial? Oh, you're not getting paid for this. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I guess that is fair and accurate for what we're worth. MTG Melee, sign up today. That is right, MTG Melee it is. And in fact, this weekend, we have the first international qualifier for the Red Bull Untapped 2020 series. And by the time that this podcast comes out, we would have hit 4,000 enrolled players. We're at 
3950 right now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, you don't sir. know that. It 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 could be way more. It could be 5000 by the time oh, you hit it. You don't I know. I bet it I bet it won't be. I thought you were going to take this as like a stonks joke and be like it could crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Could... People can unenroll. You know this, right? Yeah. I yeah. was going to I was going to take it as like a you said there was going to be 4K, but there's a possibility that those 50 slots never get filled and therefore you can't know for a fact that it'll yeah. hit 4K. Yeah. And it could also go the other way that maybe Monster buys Red Bull's grand brand and then it is a Monster untapped event. Now, I mean, you, these are factors we just don't know, Bradley. Well, I'm going to just assume that we're going to be over 4,000 tomorrow. And, uh, boring, but okay. And it'll still be sponsored by Red Bull. Hmm. Um, so, Brad, what, you, what does the scouter say about this tournament's power level? But what? <laughs> Would it be over a certain number that ends in three zeros? It's or? over four thousand. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna go with a high def joke. No, uh, not okay. always Dragon Ball Z jokes. You got to get with the well, times. For, but four yeah. K is the perfect high def joke. Like this podcast can be viewed in four K. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm mm. I'm focused on five G right now because it's also des- it's destroying. <laughs> Our society. So <laughs> also the Bash Bros podcast disclaimer, which is we are not responsible for the four thousand brain cells that are lost per episode you listen to. Yeah, I I, I don't think we can really expect four K. I mean, we're barely getting a hundred listeners here. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, that is just a blatant lie. But I think our our numbers are around four K or more, <laughs> which is oh. funny. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> um, oh wow! Jeez! Wow! Indeed. You I actually haven't looked at the numbers in a while. Me on. <laughs> that error is getting graver and graver as things go. <laughs> all right. So with but. But, but that is happening this Friday at uh, midnight Pacific time is the Red Bull untapped uh, tournament. Now, if you are, are have not heard of this, you probably have. But if you have not, you can find uh, registration on Melee.gg where you'll be able to enroll on MTG Melee. This is <clears> a, <throat> a, a awesome service and it'll be running in a, one of the biggest tournaments of all time at at 4000. That is one of the top five biggest magic tournaments, period. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And honestly, in my younger years where I used to just game into the night and not really sleep, you know, play some PEs or DEs or whatever they were called back in the day. But I just cannot stay up and start a tournament at 3 a.m. anymore. I just do not have it in me. You can just go to bed early and wake up for it. Oh, oh, that seems tough. That seems really tough. Well, I will be awake because I'll be working on the back end. But also, after the when this tournament is wrapping up, it's day one, will be the start of the Mythic Invitational Qualifier. This is a tournament that will be held on mm-hmm. Arena. I think it is first to ten wins before two losses, or is it three losses? I think you can two have losses. one loss, but the second one eliminates you. Yeah, so first yeah. to ten wins before two losses. And mm-hmm. ten wins will get you qualified for the Mythic Invitational, I believe, the next one, whenever that is. Um, and I believe that's the structure. Um I up on my ivory tower do not understand what uh, what the players have to go through these days, but I believe that's correct. And me in the trenches have not qualified, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> we are really hitting that goddamn spectrum for this one, right? Yes, we Just, are. But, but, but and two I'm ships four with S for hero. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I am. I am mythic three hundred, but I, I'm I'm having a tough time getting past that with S for um, hero. No, with uh, Jessica Luca, but I got to switch it up, but we'll get into that. You should try best of one, bud. I will try best of one because (laughs) that's exactly where I need to be. I need to be 
not just learning the formats for the content. I need to just get to number one for the clout. Exactly. Now, get that clout. Now you're recognizing what uh, today's world is all about. Oh, excuse me one second. I'll be right back from the podcast. Got to go post a dank meme. <laughs> I'll get all that clout. Maybe I'll find something controversial to tweet. But Brad, Brian's deck is in fact not best of one. But Brad, <laughs> it's none of worst your... of three. Yeah. Why do people keep saying it's a, it's not a best of one deck? Okay. Anyway. Yeah. yeah but Brad, <laughs> none right. of your none of your memes are dank though, bro. Ouch. That oh. hurts. All right. So let's actually <laughs> tighten this up. So today we are going to be discussing all things standard leading into Red Bull Untapped and the Mythic Invitational Qualifier. Knowing that the registration there, there will be some overlap. People are going to play both, but thousands upon thousands of Magic players are going to be playing standard in high profile events this weekend. Yeah, um, good weekend for Magic, for sure. Yeah, lots of arena going to be played. Um, but before we actually touch this topic, which kind of goes hand in hand with this, one of the the more you know interesting news stories from this week actually comes from an article on Star City Games from Brian Gottlieb. This is an article about his relationship with Constructed. Now, this is this has been a talk of the town, but this is a very concise, artic- well articulated article uh, that he posted on the topic. And I know that both of you have have some opinions on this. So, Brian, will you set the stage for us on this article? Yeah, uh, I read the articles. It was a really good piece. I I wouldn't describe it as concise, but it was definitely very well written and very worth reading. Um, Yeah, I I felt like he made a lot of really good points about, basically he laid out why he doesn't really enjoy playing Magic right now. And I think that's something that a lot of Magic players are kind of coming to grips with, including myself. And he made a lot of good points as to why. And um, yeah, I, I think it's it's well worth reading if, if you want to read his points. But uh, some of the things that really resonated with me was uh, it, it feels like modern design magic is um, kind of tr- like trading future equity for current value. Uh, it, it's almost to me, it almost feels like it's kind of been like industrialized in a way where um, they're kind of like figuring out a formula that will make each set like be like, oh, bi- a big wow <clears throat> to the people who are playing yeah. the game. But when each set is like this giant wow factor, but is ruining like older formats and is making standard not fun, uh, eventually consumer confidence goes down. And that was one of his main points. And, and that's something that I also completely agree with is that I, I feel that um, the, the way that Magic is being designed right now is not something that interests me as a competitive-minded player. And I do think that there's a lot of aspects where they're designing cards that are good for people who are not competitive players um, or who are not like trying to be like you know professionals or grinders or whatever. And I think there's value there, uh, but I do think that they're losing quite a bit in, in terms of how they're uh, designing cards for the competitive mindset. Yeah, honestly, it reminds me. Uh, have you guys ever seen the TV show Empire? Uh, uh, no, I've not ep- watched it. Episodes oh. of it here and there, but that's about it. Okay, so it reminds me. They always have these like high pressure uh, board meetings where they're like, "This company is going down. We need to sell stocks," and then they just like push something to get those numbers up right away by like putting band aids on it, and then don't really worry about the long term. You know. Yeah. It doesn't make as much sense if you guys uh, haven't seen it. But, you know, it, it 
it does it does suck at how it's felt, but I will say that I have been enjoying like you know modern at least right now. I think it's excellent if you guys have been playing that at all. So is Empire the show about eating ass or is that secession? What? Oh, wrong podcast. Excuse me. Oh. Yes, it must sorry. Be, it, must, it must be succession. Hey, Brad, <laughs> Wednesday, Wednesday is the day that we record the Bash Bros podcast. Thursday oh, is the Ass Bros. Bros. Yeah, yeah. Wrong, wrong day, but you're just a I, day off. <laughs> I know quarantine is getting you, uh, you know, a little bit forgetting about your days there, bro. But. Yeah, it's hard to keep track of the days, but we're on the Bash Bros yeah. podcast. So. <laughs> Remember, the Ass Bros podcast is always at the end of the week okay yeah. we plan that oh, for no, very no, no, punny no, no. reason no no I, I i i want to stay on this topic but this is just a short story i have to tell there was a reddit relationship post like a what do i do about a a a female in her late 20s early 30s um discussing her husband who just watched succession which is about a son trying to take over the father's business when he's getting older yeah and the father okay. not wanting to give up power so this guy gets so addicted to it. And there's a lot of like really weird sexual. Um, um, what are they called? Where, where, what's the word? Like, like, I don't uh, know. When, when, <laughs> so, when somebody prefers like, like a ris- kink risque things, kinks. Yes. Yeah, sexual kinks um, <laughs> I- involved in this character. And the guy just starts living this out, wanting to do these sexual things and wanting to take over his dad's Halloween, his seasonal Halloween store where they live like a hundred miles away. Just the thing, like his dad always loved Halloween and he runs a Halloween store as a side <laughs> gig, but he, he's like got obsessed with like taking over this Halloween store. It's, it's maybe my favorite Reddit post ever. But so, no, no. <laughs> seems like normal, healthy behavior. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who hasn't done that? Sorry, dad. I, yeah, your 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 uh, wood carving business. I ran to the ground, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I mean, I, I actually can can add to what Brian was saying real quick. Was like I streamed the other night and I was playing Just Guy Luca and I had three or four just unfun matches in a row and I just kind of went on a rant and I feel like in this format of like we're. Long ago, we had the days of like tapping five mana for a Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. Brian, you might remember that. Um, Omnixilis's, Tireless Trackers, all of these cards. Vivian like, Reads, yeah. Vivian Reads, yeah, where they would gain advantage, but the game wasn't over if they stuck around for a turn or two. You could make a decision, right? Yeah. Nowadays, it feels like if a card, if you let like uh, uh, an Elspeth Cocker's death untap and that trigger gets put on. Or if you let something, especially because Yorian can blink it, you let a Luca stay in play. The game is just over. A Cavalier yeah. in play, a Fire is in play, the ga- a Wilderness Reclamation. The game is almost over most of the time. Yeah, but it's that's all- true. I gotta and, say, things must be bad now if we're referring to Teferi Hero of Dominaria as like the good guy. <laughs> like yeah, everything. Oh, that yeah, was like the hero, dude. That was the hero. It's like, what's, oh, it, what's it gonna be like in 2022? And be like, hey, you guys remember the days where it was all we were doing was turn two Oko? That shit was so easy to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that was yeah. such a mild standard with Teferi and Narset like, Y'all, y'all remember around. Veil of Summer? I wish we had that thing around right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. it's like that's the only thing I could possibly keep turn one win the game in check. Like, I, what, what, what would that be? One of something? One with something? <laughs> I think it would just be one, like, W-O-N with yeah. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. One of nothing. Honestly, you know, I, I think some of the newest cards, as far as, like, companions especially, have really hit standard harder uh, than modern because these specific Yorian or Luke, uh, Luris decks are kind of a specific deck. Like, you know, it, it doesn't matter if there's a little bit different variations with Yorian. They're, all the decks are kind of doing the same thing, and same with Luris and Standard. But, you know, the one joy, and I, I've said it before uh, earlier, is that Modern, at least these companions are, like, wildly different decks. You know, like, I just saw a Scapeshift deck with Yorian. I, um, I actually widely disagree with that. I think that that there's a problem if every deck in Modern is either playing Luris or Yorian. I also I'm think not saying a, that. I'm saying they're more diverse decks that do play it. I also think there's a problem. Brian brought this up, and we've talked about this before as well. Um, there's a problem if every time a set comes out, we're talking about how many modern decks are based around cards from the new set. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, that's so bad, yeah. You, you shouldn't have to change your modern deck every time a set comes out. Like, or yeah. Not even change your modern deck, but change what deck you're even playing in the format because your deck's yeah. no longer viable on every set that's released. Like, yep. there, there's some issue with not caring about eternal formats when you're printing magic cards. I, I, do, I yeah. do kind of agree. Like, the overarching idea is that they're sacrificing the long term of the game for the short term. And, and I think that just applies to across to a number of things. And this is one of those things that it applies to like magic. One of the reasons that makes magic so great isn't just the gameplay. It's the history of the game. It's like the 25 mm-hmm. years of the game. It's like the people who still remember the time that they blew their opponent out with a mud hole back in 2004. You know, there's, yeah. there's all these like cool stories and niche cards and like, there are people who love their pet decks in, in eternal formats and stuff. And like, you can't like just sacrificing like that. That's a lot of the charm of magic. And like, I know that that kind of stuff like doesn't reflect in like corporate numbers, but I think without that kind of stuff, magic would never have been as, as successful as it is and probably won't be successful in the future without it. And I do yeah. think they're really moving away from that. And that's something that's problematic. So I have a question for you guys. Do you guys think this move of maybe trying to have more insane stuff go happening like within these two years, do you think that's any connection between the extra money they're spending on MPL and the start of Arena? You know, I mean, is, is that any correlation where they're really trying to increase the numbers for so that these projects feel like they're worthwhile or they make sense? Well, I don't think well, there's a... Okay, go for it, Brad. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think that this is a justification for the MPL. I think you can remove MPL from this. Think of MPL as Mostly marketing. Mostly a factor, not, you Well, know. okay, think yeah. of MPL as marketing. That's what it is. OP, organized play, markets the game for Wizards. To have uh, competitive players changing and working on the decks. To have a, a goal for a lot of players that want to get competitive to, to play. Like, we, the OP, um, and by OP, I mean organized play, is a retention model. If we're going to talk just straight business brass tacks, that mm. is a retention model. That is there to keep players playing that get invested. You have to give somebody um, a carrot on a stick to 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 try to to try to reach out to, or they'll lose interest in a game. It's just the way. It's just human nature. Like, 
Honestly, no. I'm not I'm not that after carrots. I really just want more fair balanced cards, bro. Don't <laughs> oh, you mind. don't want a carrot yeah. on the stick. You just want that stick out of your ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> again, Sorry, carry on, Bradley. <laughs> again, this is Bash Bros podcast. Ask Bros shit, is tomorrow. Shit, Brad, shit. seriously, dude. I know you're juggling a lot of shows and stuff these days, but you got to keep them straight, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, but uh, the or other it'll be thing, your ass. <laughs> sorry, I'm done. <laughs> the, the the other the other the other thing that you're saying about esports and and um, I think that it, it's more of like two goals that overlap a little bit because um, the idea is that I think that of modern card design as a whole thing. I'm not going to get in the specifics of it, but just the general idea where it starts is acquisitions getting new players interested in magic and we saw that with them trying to branch into the duo best of one format for the invitational because best of more, more casual players play best of one competitive is best of three but but most players play best of one magic it's faster you can get a game in at lunch um you know you don't have to just right now if you want to play a match of 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 standard on arena, it could take an hour. hour. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and so that's why best of one exists and, and a lot more players play it. So they want cards that are fun for newer players. And I believe that do something. I think that do something makes newer players way more happy than don't do something. And what I mean by that is like a card, like growth spiral it, it, or Willers reclamation or Uro is a do something, a card like Narset or sinkhole, or stasis is a do nothing. Um, and, and it forces the game into a pattern where they, the people don't have options. And um, the problem though, I think the backfire, the reason why this is all happening is that in a perfect world, all the do somethings would interact well with each other and we'd play some fun, interesting games. The problem that I think is arising in standard is that both decks are built in a way that, especially with these, these companions that, We'll get to spots where both players have six cards in your hand, which is great because you have options, but you actually don't have options because you can't cast your Growth Spiral because of your opponent's Teferi. You can't cast your Growth Spiral because of your opponent's Narset. Mm. You you can't put a threat into play because your opponent's ECD and they're just going to Yorion and kill it. Yeah, you have and, to deal with a specific threat that, right that's when why it comes every, out. Yeah. That's why every deck has <laughs> shark in it. Like it's just <laughs> absurd. Every deck has shark so, typhoon in it because it it's it's the only good card that interacts with like when, when, no when, matter when, what it's good. The best is like if you don't have an option, right? If you look at your mm -hmm. hand and you don't have a good option, you at best just cycle a shark. Yeah, yeah but I, I, I don't agree with your conclusions at all though. Why? Because I, I don't think like you're you're saying you're like from what the the argument that you're making, you're blaming the do, you're blaming the do nots for the reason that things are like this. When I don't think that that's true. I think cards that prevent your opponent from doing things are like essential to a healthy format because like you're saying you want you want like all the do's to balance each other out, but that's just not realistic. Like if you print, no, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, like if you print like <clears throat> six really powerful cards and just hope that the power of each of them are somehow gonna like mesh against each other to create a healthy format, like that that will just only happen like one out of fifty times. And mm -hmm. like the healthy formats are the ones where there are powerful cards that that can bounce off each other a little bit, but there's also reactive elements that keep those things in check so but, when one card becomes too good there's the stuff to stop it and so not, like but that like your your arguments seem to be that 
like you can't do something because it's fair. You can't do something because of Narset and it's preventing the powerful cards from bouncing off each other. But I just don't think powerful cards will ever bounce off each other. You actually need to print stuff to counteract those. Uh, Then let me, then let me retract and, and, and respecify. I don't believe the do not should be built with card advantage involved. I don't believe that you should be able to play all of the do nots in this format, like the ECDs, the Teferis and the Narsets, they all come with card advantage built into them. El- because Elspeth conquers death for people who don't yeah, know sorry. El- is. Mm-hmm. Elspeth conquers death. They're built with, with, with powerful um, card advantage and board presence on their own. And so when that happens, they, they, you want to interact with them because they're stopping you from interacting with your opponent or getting out of a, a bad situation yourself. And so, um, they're all just kind of, they either prevent you to do stuff or, you know, Elspeth Carker's death is a ticking time bomb of, um, and, and, and what have you. But what I'm saying is all of this involved causes games where because the opportunity cost of playing these is low, it's just like, will they interact with a mystical dispute or not? Um, or negate, um, or Dovin's veto. And if they don't, you have this permanent play that's going to help you leverage a win. And so what I mean by that is you have all these cards in your hand, but none of them are, are efficient. They don't, they, don't, they don't actually do a lot when you're behind, and they're great when you're ahead, but everyone has to play the same things that are good this way because when they're good, they're great. And if, if a good, powerful card ever resolves, it's, it's game over. It's not like, an Elf, it's not like a Teferi where like yeah. the game can go on. <clears throat> if it's a Luka or, or a Wilderness Reclamation, the game's probably over. If, you, if, you, if your Fires Kruger opponent goes Teferi into a Fires, you're, you're just dead. If yeah. you didn't interact with it, you're just going to lose unless you're also playing you know, degenerate things and you can, you can uh, steal it with your Luka agent and, and go off yourself. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, it just feels like the pure definition of snowballing magic where you feel like you have a lot of choices because now we have an extra card and whatnot, but you have to answer stuff in a specific order and almost immediately in most cases. Otherwise, you're just not really in a game. And that's not fun because you don't have a lot of options. You know, um, yeah, I sound like a a broken record, but, you know, that is why I love modern. Like there's a lot of stuff that doesn't need to be answered right away. Um, sequencing matters and stuff still, of course, but it's it's not as bad as it is in standard. But standard is so snowbally right now that kind of deteriorate deters me from loving it. Yeah, the one thing that you said that really resonated with me, Brad, was was the idea that they need to stop putting card advantage on on like reactive elements. But that I think that also just holds true for proactive elements. They like I I want to just say that their current design philosophy of Add a bunch of abilities to every single card so that people never run out of things to do. It's just failed. Like I just want to yes. just I just want to say that that is just is just a failure, and they should just completely abandon that because mm-hmm. I just I don't think that's fun magic. And I think that when you boil down everyone's problems with the current with current magic, I think that is like the base level boil down is that every card provides advantage in like. And every card, like every card, just does too many things, and every card provides advantages. And it, and like at, at some point in time, it's 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 too much, and it's just it's not fun anymore. And I think, yeah, like I I just want to say like let's go back to printing Pelucranos five mana five five, and you have to invest a lot of mana in to make it good. You know, yeah. like oh oh, I mean, I I was just gonna say to I just want to say one real quick thing, Corey, just to yeah, go good. off of that. Um, talking about powerful and how powerful this and how you think it's a failed system there. Somebody asked the question 
Um, if if you just look at standard formats ever since uh, the Ravnica sets came out, rank this standard format in power level of all the other previous ones, and I think this is the fourth most powerful standard we've had in the last year and a half. And it's it, that's insane to me. Because yeah. we had, like, the Kethis era, we had the the band Oko era, we had... Uh, we had something, you know, Nexus decks too. Like, I don't know if that's or the scape shift. I don't know which versions, but like it's either three or four. It's probably four and I'm just missing one of them. But like, that's insane to me that in the last year and a half, this is the fourth least powerful format. And if you look and I was talking about it, like compare tireless tracker to this format, tireless tracker would get the shit kicked out of it in this format. Yep. Yeah. And like the, the thing is, is like even de- decks in this format, like honestly, they might not even stack up that well against like decks from eras past, like Jund, from standard in 2009 might beat the crap out of all these decks. It's certainly possible, but the difference of that, like, like, and the, the thing is like, those cards were really powerful and they were really good, but they also just did their thing. They didn't always come with card advantage attached. Like blood Braid elf of course did. And that was a really problematic card, but like a lot of the really powerful cards from eras past were just very efficient at what they did, but they just did their thing, you know, like counterspell mm-hmm. thought seize, like those cards are really powerful, but they're one for one answers. They're one for one threats, that kind of stuff. Whereas now the, you know, a lot of the cards are maybe not as powerful as those cards. Like, I don't think, you know, Luca is more powerful than Thoughtseize or whatever, or agent of treachery, but they all provide an advantage. Games are maybe slower. They take longer and stuff, but every card just does so many things. And I think, it's just it's it's too much like yeah yeah and the one thing that really <laughs> sucks is if we if we can and if we do start to try to reverse this it's like it's going to look so bad for the first couple sets right like they're going to release these sets no it's going to be like re- the sets right after Kaladesh where they kind of leveled off on power level and decks just won't change for so long and that's also going to be bad but you know what what's the the more evil you know what's the lesser of two evils here continue this power rise and destroy the game or you know have that really slow transition time where the problem just new is, cards is aren't going to be played yeah here's the here's the 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 skinny on this though is we don't actually know if it's hurting magic or what their numbers are and it's really hurting the franchise players and we've said this before on this podcast that you know most competitive players probably play more games of magic than the game allows and they should well care about us for replayability and that it is true that companions probably lower replayability by 2x yeah um but but like we don't know what numbers are and we don't know the 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 love that people new players have for this. Also, when you're starting to get into standard, if if uh, we don't know what the bronze best of one looks like. Oh, BBD might, does. Well, I know a lot about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know I know the point you're going for and I, I I agree with that. Like we we see things only from a competitive standpoint, but at the and 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 Watsi's probably doing really well financially off of a lot of these sets. I mean, now things are different with with COVID and stuff, so that throws a wrench into things and kind of makes the the numbers not really something valuable. We, yeah, yeah as, well, at least not to us. But like, yeah, I mean, yeah, everything's so skewed. So, but like, yeah, they they're probably doing great with these sets. But I, I like one of the points that Brian made that I really agree with is it feels like it's trading future equity for that, and yeah. that's like the thing. Oh, like, it, it, it with a it, it for sure is, but it's also there's no proof that if. In a perfect world, like 
the, let's just say a set has some errors, but it's built with like this idea, right? This perfect world. I mean, obviously we can't ask Brian Gottlieb to create seven sets for a random, you know, theory craft yeah. to see what the world he wants to look like. But let's just say this works, like right? Six, six sets, sure, but not seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. seven's just yeah, too many. Yeah. But so like, let's just theoretically say that this format exists, this magical Christmas land format and now let's put it through the grinder that just happened, right? The the new the new set just came out. We had literal channel fireball coverage 24 hours a day running running qualifiers into a weekend thing with like the best players in the world playing them and and reiterating like on this format over and over and over again, streamers and all of the stuff. And like we're in week five now of the new format, I think, and maybe six. No, probably not that far, four or five. Mm-hmm. Maybe four, but we're we're like quite a few weeks in, and like there's been so many millions of games of standard played, and so much data and deckless sharing and and information sharing that like we don't know what that format would look like either. Like the problem is, is that I don't think there's, I I I, I think that it takes very specific um, things to happen with a, with a format to where like we won't find the top X cards and 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 we'll keep deviating on them but like and and I, and I agree to the extent that things should be more fun but I I don't know what am I trying to say I'm just saying that like I I just think that the replayability will never be complete I don't think there it's that, not possible yeah it's not possible I think that there's just a a, a glass or a, or a true ceiling on how much fun you're going to get out of a format after you play X thousand numbers of games yeah we're playing magic is not a game designed to be played as rigorously as we play it and i i honestly just believe that standard is just a flawed format because of that like i I mean we've had that discussion before i don't want to rehash it but like i honestly believe that standard is just not a format that can be made consistently fun it's just not Mm -hmm. a possibility with how much magic we play as a as a whole I mean, that's why Block got canceled in the first place, right? I mean, yeah, it was same. it was the same reason, except it was amplified to even less decks because of just the the system. And yeah. it, you know, it wouldn't it would make a lot of sense that Standard would kind of be the next least fun, you know. And then Pioneer is trying to get a little bit better, and then my, Modern's perfect, like I've been saying. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> this I is mean, not like, a Modern Bash Bros podcast. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, yeah, Block for example, Block like that. There were there were times where Block was actually. So these are the best 75 yeah. cards you should play yeah and, and they were and fun just, for a while we enjoyed ourselves, brad but it did get old yeah and um and and i agree that there's a lot of flaws in standard but the also standard is is a great like it, it's it's magic's perfect gateway drug yeah, like yeah. It, it is the best format to focus on because it 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 it's the you need a low card pool for new players and whatever we're all thinking we're all in franchise we've been here for a long time Our viewers have been here for a while. Some are probably newer. But when a new player comes into the game, it's extremely overwhelming. And and while I don't think that we should do a ton of hold handing, like we we learned this with deck names. Like I for those of you don't know, there was once a Grand Prix like five or six years ago, maybe even seven, that the deck names were called mostly white Orzov Agro. Just so you knew. Just Uh, so you knew that there was just a light splash of black. Is this yeah. is this time for green, white, and red and wolves, and, wolves angels? and angels? Yes, <laughs> yes. Anaya, Anaya humans deck that was called yeah. that at a pro tour. 
Yes. 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 I want to I want to bring up one thing, though, about what you said, though, Brad, that really kind of hits home is, you know, players have to kind of feel like they're they're not super intimidated, you know, like it's a really intimidating game to come into. And when me and you started, Brad, when we went into like our first tournament, it was like psychotog upheaval that was kind of everywhere. Right. And that was super frustrating to play against because they just controlled what you did. All of a sudden you have no permanence. You know, it was, it was stupid, right? Like it was a bad thing to lose to now, at least in magic, people a new person can come in and just play this very powerful spell into but, your but, opponent's but very that, powerful but, but spell. But Psychotog you know? was annoying because I also showed up with a blue and white golden wish strategy. My sideboard was three circle of protections of each color. Yeah. Whoa, maybe, wait, maybe wait, wait. You guys are playing with sideboards? <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> oh, when did that happen? Oh, you I mean had... the companion spot? <laughs> yeah, like, my... there's a companion and there's just like a 14 other. I don't get that okay. part. But... Okay, maybe the that's first a bad deck example. I ever built. The first deck I ever built had a transitional sideboard of taking Golden Wish out and bringing the circle of protections that suited in. I felt like a genius. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe that was a bad example of a deck. I'm talking maybe like drawn a control then, where you're like completely out of control, and that's really even more intimidating for a new Magic player to play against something no, like course. that where you don't have a chance. Well, yeah, that's but, yeah. We're not. Well, I'm not. That's, we're not that's advocating the, for counter draw go, but we are advocating for like you know having put, a put, counter to something. Playing a three, <laughs> playing a three drop creature that you have to wait until turn four to get something out of, like yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't like, think those are the same. I, I just wanted to touch on that point because that really reminded me of that. I know that, that was a little off topic. No, that's but. that's that's the that's the actual mindset right now. It's do something. Yeah. It's like make yeah. sure all your cards do something. Make sure that when somebody builds a deck, their cards function the way that they want them to function. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, say the the points that you guys have made they hit well, but they don't hit as well as McDonald's Sprite or Chipotle Coke Zero. That's all I got to say. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, <laughs> that Chipotle will be hitting hitting hard later on too. BBD. That's tomorrow's <laughs> cast, but yeah. <laughs> oh no, that's tomorrow's at. No, wait. Yeah, yeah never mind. But no, um, I mean to 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 finish <laughs> off your point though, Corey. Uh, yeah. To close this one up, I I do think that that is part of it, and that's part of the decisions that have been made thus far. In yeah. standard. Now, what they're going to do with that information is up to them. And honestly, like <clears throat> these sets were made a while back and and they probably have accounted for a lot of things and they're making decisions based on it. We just love talking about it. But like we are we are, you know, the problem with the the magic consumer is we're extremely, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, why am I losing so many words this time? Um, we're retrospective. And and so we can see the flaws and then build upon them. But the thing is, is like when you're put in the, that situation, it's a lot more difficult. Like mm-hmm. with the, the shoes of the Wizards employee is hard, way right? more difficult figuring and creating. It's easy to break something down that's already been 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 structured. It's not as easy yeah, to build easy. something up. Yeah, this is like the, the classic critic. Uh, let me read. Let me I'm just going to read a quote that uh, I, I think is just a great um Let's see is, if is, it, is it is it is it is it face down? <laughs> face down, ass shit, up. No, shit, it's not. Shit, it's not Thursday. Oh, I'm just not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's uh, a it's a Theodore Roosevelt quote. I think is what I'm looking for. Uh, okay. What I I don't want to hold the podcast up. Whatever. I, 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 well, I found you the, are Brian. Okay, I found it out. It's 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 not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. 
It's yeah. like, the, yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, it's easy to be a critic on something after the fact. It's much harder to be the person who actually does the thing. So yeah, much harder. People just don't recognize that. You know, I mean, and honestly, I like the debates that he brought up that people, they just, you know, maybe don't have the manpower to test every format. And well, you know, that sucks for older formats and stuff. But it, I mean, it's got to be true in some regard, right? They can only have so many people at Wizards. And they can only do so much, so things are going to slip through the cracks. Even cat combo snuck through the cracks in standard, you know? I think mm-hmm. testing for older formats is is a literal impossibility. Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that they shouldn't, they should ignore older formats while designing yeah. cards. Like, I still think if it's like, you know, you're going to print Luris, and it's like what Brian was saying in his article, it's like, you're going to print Luris, and clearly it's going to be good with Black Lotus, maybe you shouldn't yeah. print the card. Or but it's Breach. Like, yeah. Or, or breach or yeah like any of these cards like that any of these free spells or whatever um but yeah like testing for an eternal format is is like i think it would their, their staff to to be able to reasonably test for like legacy or modern or whatever with these new cards would be thousands of people and i'm not exa- be, i don't yeah. think i'm exaggerating by saying that like yeah so like that, that's just not a realistic thing. Um, but they they can control it a little bit, uh, just you know, very inherently by just not printing cards like Underworld Breach. Like that's a card that there's just really no upside to it. I loved how he stated that. That like what what good and fun magic is going to come from that card? It just doesn't exist. So stuff like that makes zero sense to me, and it's only going to do bad things in 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 every format. To be honest, I just don't ever but see silver lining but from see, cards but like see, that. But that's you know? a retrospective thing because. No one's also saying that they shouldn't have made uh, the past cards. The past card. What's the past? Past storm card. Past in flames. flames. Right. Yeah. Like, like they're and 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 they're not saying like like they shouldn't have printed one of the like suspend cards or whatever. You know. But past in like, flames was a new thing. Like this is a reprint of Yagamas Will, which they have already proven to be busted. Well, so past, they already knew and, it was kind of going to be like that. Past you know? and Flames was also a Yagmas Will reprint too. Yeah, people people, yeah. people basically have called it like they were like, oh, they reprinted Yagmas Will. Like, I guess I just wasn't in that era when Past and Flame. You know, I don't vividly remember being that connected to Magic. But here, it just makes sense to me. You know, of course, retrospectively, it's going to make more sense. But it still seems like it makes sense that Yagmas Will. Caused so many problems. This card's very similar. Why? Why do it again? Because well, because I mean, you have to you have to take shots for every type of magic player, and yeah. some players like spell based things. Now the 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 knobs on it the knobs on it are probably wrong, right? It probably should have escaped for more, or the yeah. the spell should have cost more. But it doesn't mean that the effect is the the effect of doing degenerate things is something that has to be put in the cards. People want there is a subset of people that just want to belcher people on turn one. And if you don't make cards to facilitate those needs for players, you lose some of your player base. That's true. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I never yeah. thought about that. Yeah, no. like we we just see the ones that fail. We don't see the ones that were actually like we don't think about the ones that were successes that at the time when they were printed, everyone's like, I cannot believe they printed this card. It's going to ruin magic. Yeah. You know, like and then it ended up being a really great card. Um, we, we just focus on the ones that actually do ruin magic. And well, so, it's, it's and always, it's, you know. It's because we reiterate things into the ground, like we said, the the replayability, like, like I, you know, people hated Teferi Hero of Dominaria. Now in this format, like, I bet a lot of people are like, yeah, Teferi would be fun to play with again. And the re- and the only difference is recency that, bias. Too. Yes, recency yeah. bias, and and yeah. and you just get sick of things because you just don't want to keep doing the same things over and over again. And that's why you have more formats, like you said, modern's fun. You want to move to modern. Um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe that has to do a lot with, um, 
forcing players to play the same format competitively. Like we've had four weeks where it's just a lot of big, important standard tournaments. So people are getting sick of it. So transitioning to other formats is a thing, but they've given a lot of options, right? There's a, there's a lot of eternal formats. There's pioneer, there's historic mm-hmm. that just got made in the last two years. And, and, and we, and maybe it's just figuring out the right balance to be competitive, but these are all knobs that we don't have the best information for. So like, yeah. well, well, we can discuss things and talk about the cards and say, oh, you know what? I'm getting sick of playing with this card. That mm-hmm. doesn't also mean that we have to justify by saying, because I'm sick of this, someone did something wrong and we have to jump to why did they do something wrong? I will say though, that Brian's point in, in his article resonated a lot where he was talking about how. Um, when he doesn't enjoy a format, which is going to bound to happen for anyone for any reason, like I almost, I rarely enjoy standard personally, just the general rule. And like Mm -hmm. he says, when he fails to enjoy a format, he'll just play another format. The problem that he's having now is that the same cards are good in every single format. Mm -hmm. And like it is, and they're the recently designed cards. And I think that is actually a problem. Yes. You don't get to escape to other formats because every format is escaping your Euro or whatever, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And while I do agree with that, you know, I, I, maybe I'm just so biased from my love of Yorian that I played in so many different modern decks, but I mean, I'm playing it in combo Urza decks control, and it doesn't feel like the same thing to me. It just feels like this is my favorite card to play with. And I like the effect, but I get it. If you're really sick of playing with or against, uh, the specific companions, you do run into that a lot, but but but. fast forward six months or a year from now, you might not feel the same way. Like this is a new card that came out, you know, like, yeah, you're right. I will probably love it more. You're right. I better (laughs) give myself some wiggle room. Yeah. All right. Should we, should we we move on to our actual main? I I mean, this was a great talk though. And, And I think his article brings up a lot of points to think about, uh, so anybody who hasn't read it, go over and check it out. Uh, it's really, really good. All right. Yeah, so the, the one I just want to make one. Sorry, I know I just said that, but <laughs> can we go? All right, one more point from Brian. S- yeah, save the it one for one. the last, the last section, BBD. Save it for the last segment. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Go for it. it it's a really <laughs> fast point. It's just the the sad thing about it all is that they design years in the future. So like, it could be so the, bad for take, a couple more years. Yeah, yeah, it takes so long for things to get corrected. But anyway, let's yeah. let's let's yeah. go to the next uh, thing. Yeah, let's go to the next one. All right. So our main our main subject today actually might might end up being our, our shorter topic, but it's taking a quick look at standard going into this weekend's Red Bull Untapped event as well as the Mythic Invitational Qualifier. We just want to set the stage for what this format looks like and give our opinions on what decks and what kind of interactive cards you should be playing in them. So to to hammer this out in the way that like to, to set the stage, I guess I'll say uh, last weekend was the season two finals of the Magic Fest Online's, which ends it until they maybe will bring it back in a week or two. They said they're going offline for a week, but Team or Clover won the event. Um, <clears throat> Nasif took second with Jeskai Luka. Paulo had uh, uh, an interesting evolution on Bant Yorion, but um, sadly, Auto Tapper cost him his his loss in the top four, so he might have just won the tournament. Ivan Flock top eight with Team Arek, and then there was Obosh and, and Boro cycling to to round out the rest of the top eight. Um, Pretty balanced top eight, though. I mean, we had four aggressive decks, four you know combo slash control decks. Um, you know, so pretty diverse as far as standard goes. Yeah, but these I think are also just the standard decks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think while it's diverse, I don't think there's much more to add to this list for strategies. 
But it's not so dominant. Like we kind of thought Jeskai Luca was like the end all be all, you know, so it's not going into the thing of five of those three of something else. Maybe that some people thought. Yeah. And, and so yeah. if I can, if I can just uh, uh, explain some of my theory here, we all know that this form exists. Anyone that has been playing standard understands these decks, what they're supposed to be doing and why they're doing their things. Um, something that I figured out um, while looking at metagame breakdowns and, and stuff is that I believe the top decks, the actual top decks that 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 are going to be the 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 focus points for each format are actually now Team Reclamation, Jeskai Luka, and Band. Um, I know that Obosh Red and Boro Cycling and Team Adventures all ha- play their role in this format, but mm-hmm. um, my 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 nod against Boro Cycling is that it was kind of the new thing, and while people can start changing their strategies against it, playing the Wanderers or playing Glass Caskets or finding ways to beat Borocycling. Yeah. Borocycling can't change its strategy. It's built in, right? It is this this deck is kind of like like actual hardware. It and, mm-hmm. and whereas other decks have software. Whereas like you're stuck with this build. You can maybe add a few counters, but any cards you add to interact with your opponents will lessen the consistency of your overall strategy. And I think like the Obosh red and black decks are kind of in the same camp. They just don't get to adjust very much. So they fall under these like specific metagames, right? Like they'll be fine if all these top decks are at an arms race against each other and not really paying attention to those three decks. And you can even lump Teamer Adventures into this as well. All these decks are very stuck and rigid. And and you're going to want to. Well, I think you're going to want to play them when their opportunities arise. And but finding the right times is difficult. Um, but let's uh, let's talk about the more fluid decks. And mm-hmm. and I understand that Jeskai Luka doesn't seem fluid, but it, it, to me, it's an evolution of Jeskai fires exactly. And and this is just a new evolution. It, it's a trump in the mirror, and it it started evolving from there. And then we have Teamer Reclamation that's extremely fluid. We've seen we've seen Teamer Reclamation take many shapes and forms over the last couple of weeks. We saw it play. Four Nightpack ambushers and some and some um, mystic whatever the frilled mystics frilled yeah. mystics yeah we've seen it play those we've even seen versions that play like um like cut and there's even Karuga versions that just have been that's the new going. Spice. Yeah, yeah 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 and th- and then I saw an evolution of that by a good player in Magic Online where they didn't play the co- the the companion but instead we're playing a that like that old school Lotus box version with like Brineborn cutthroat and brazen borrower yeah. um, and things like that. So like, there's a bunch of different ways you can make a team reclamation deck because team reclamation is pretty much just grow spiral explosives and, and team reclamation and reclamation. And, and besides that, you can do a lot of things to the stack. Same thing with yeah. Bant. Bant, even though you're adding a bunch of cards with Yorion, it can be very fluid in its design. And we saw that with Paulo's list. Now Paulo took this deck, took the agents out of it, added, uh, m- kind of maxed out main deck with 10 counter spells and had Nightpack Ambusher in the sideboard with more counter spells to play a flash mm-hmm. game against these Jeskai Luka and Team of Reclamation Strategies. His build was saying, I'm going to do my best to beat Team of Reclamation and Jeskai Luka, and I'm going to sacrifice my aggressive matchups. Um, yeah. And he almost won the tournament and probably would have. And honestly, I think if we redo that tournament like 10 times, I bet he makes the top eight like eight out of 10. I think well, his deck I would, was just I so would, perfect. I, I would I would highly he would disagree with that. Yeah, he would because he's well, eight modest, out of, eight, no eight out of ten is just mathematically just absurd. 
Um, I mean, I don't. His deck was just so perfect for the event, though. Just because he just kicked so the shit good. out of you. <laughs> no, honestly, I. Well, yeah, he did kick the shit out of me yeah. very badly, but <laughs> yeah. It, regardless of that, it seems like the the way that the format. I mean, this is just a, as as an observer or whatever. It seems like for it's a best like, of one player. Yeah. yeah, for yeah, I'm a best of one com- uh, competitor. Um, <laughs> it it seems like it's it's kind of like a thing where there's like you know, these Jeskai Fires slash Luka decks, um, and they're, like, doing these crazy proactive things. The way to beat that is to to be able, is to play these counter magic decks like Team of Reclamation or, like, Bant with counter spells or all these other things. Like, people then adjust uh, to the Jeskai decks by doing that. And then that can mm-hmm. lead to the Jeskai decks also adjusting by, like, you know, to this, to this, like counter spell, like mid range controlling yeah. arms race, and I then played that, a Jeskai mirror. No, let let him finish. Play. Oh, sorry, sorry. And I was gonna say, and that, and that leads to a spot where these aggressive decks that are weaker than all these decks, like on power level, just they're not as good. But that leaves an opening for them to exploit like these Dovin's vetoes that are in people's decks, and and they'll be good for like one or two weekends, and then these you know, heavy hitter decks like Bant and Jeskai and Team Erec or whatever have to like then adjust to rebuild themselves against aggressive decks, which they will smash if they're built that way. And then, uh, you know, that that kind of cycle just seems to be like on loop or whatever. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Oh, that makes for sure, sense. yeah. Because even a Jeskai deck I played against in that tournament, I was playing the Fires version, the pretty stock list, basically last week's tournament, you know? Um, and I was just playing against a Jeskai deck that cut Fires, and they played three Dovin's Veto, four Mystical Dispute uh, in the main deck. You know, well, that, was, it, it, that, that was, wasn't a crazy thing. You I know? think I, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, that was uh, I think our our favorite Magic player, Brian. Who's our favorite Magic player? Um. Well, Nasif played that kind of list as well, but well, I think you lost to Yuta Takahashi. No, I I won that matchup, but I lost game one. Oh yeah, yeah, you did beat him. Yeah. But you got embarrassed in game one because of and, the and I got embarrassed. I got embarrassed in game one through the entire tournament. I won one game one, boys, out of fourteen rounds. One wasn't it thirteen? It, it was a fourteen round tournament. Yeah. All right, wow. no, it was thirteen rounds. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you're not playing my deck, oh, yeah, right, Corey. Right, if you can't yeah. win game one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's all we'd have. But uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting how fast the format adjusts with those top three decks. I agree with you, Brad. Those decks are just going to always stick around. And they they both have the tools to beat aggro, or they both have the tools to beat control. But whenever they do that 50-50 split, they you know usually get crushed in the mirror matches. So it's all about metagaming right now more than ever, I feel. Well, well, one of the things I do want to, to, to point out, and this is I think this is a, just a very fascinating identification for for the standard format particularly with these three decks is that the like uh what's that uh what's that graph where it's like three circles venn diagram yes a venn diagram if you venn diagram the cards that are in all three of these decks there's a shit ton of overlap between like like Jeskai Luka and Bant overlap a ton Bant and Team Arek overlap a ton Team Arek and Jeskai Luka overlap a ton and um and they all play some you know mystical disputes and and shark typhoons but like the the overlap of just cards is just it's absurd actually um and and they all play it you know four mystical disputes in their 75 and four shark typhoon because shark typhoon as we said earlier and and now making a bigger point 
is probably the best card to fight all of the random bullshit in this format. And yeah. Um, and so all three of these decks are shark typhoon strategies. Um, and so when that comes in the, the iterations and evolution, one of the things I've been noticing is like Nassif's Jeskai Luka deck looks very well built to fight Boros cycling. That was very important last week and may yeah. still be around this week. And, but like the, this week on the ladder, I've been playing his version without updating it. And, and now I know I have to stop because I am getting clowned by Team of Reclamation. They are updated since then with some Brazen Borrowers, with Nightpack Ambushers, with all the counter spells that they need, with Shark Typhoon. And I, I'm just not playing the same game as they are anymore um, with Jeskai Luka. And I mean, I, I'm, I just lost five matches um, in a row to this deck in the last day. Yeah, I do like not need, think it's a good deck. For it sure sound, right it now. sounds like you need to check yourself. Before you team, you team or wreck, wreck yourself. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes. Um, no, I, honestly, I feel the Jeskai deck is is a lot easier to target than Paulo's Bant deck, and that's that's why I like that list so much more. You're you're able to adapt to other things uh, a lot easier than Jeskai Luca. If your agents are bad in the matchup, your deck's probably bad, which is a harsh reality. Yeah, well, I think I think that band. So if I had to just say to this, if I had to like make some bold predictions for the weekend, and this is yeah. for for the viewers, um, I think Bant is the best deck choice if you're focusing on your Team Wreck and your Jeskai Luka matchups. Mm -hmm. I think that Team Wreck is the best deck if you are focusing on Jeskai Luka and some of these red uh, and 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 the tier two decks, the Boros Cycling, the and the uh, Teamer Adventure, the Obosh decks. Um, cause, cause team really, cause I thought red Obosh would beat, uh, reclamation. It kind of has notoriously for a while. You think that's well, changed? It's, it's changed a little bit because team of wreck just can play four flame sweeps and that's so good against them. Yeah. And you can play gust and flame sweep and that's very good against them. But the deck, I think team of wreck is very weak to band. Um, it's behind against Bant. It just doesn't have as good of a game plan as them. They have so many good trumps. They have Teferi and Elspeth Cocker's death, Dovin's veto. Uh, yeah. But but they don't they don't have all the clunky cards like Luca and Agent, right? They have a way more streamlined, low to the ground strategy. Yeah. Um. And, and so I I like that. Um. And then and then I I think Jeskai Luca is the most powerful, potentially most powerful deck in the format. But um, it if you're gonna play fires, right? Fire you the fires versions of Jeskai Luka are the most powerful, except in the mirror team of wreck and bant, which I think are the top three decks. Yeah, and so it, it, it crushes aggro, plain and simple. The fires version just crushes aggro, especially if it's focused with cards like the Wanderer yeah. and Deafening Clarion and the Cyborg and things like that. The mm -hmm. for sure, but I'm and and Aethergust, but I am very confident that that deck. Going into a field of Bant and Team Wreck, if those are those two decks are highly played this weekend and focusing on it, I think this is the weekend. This is the test. This, uh, like I'm just using my own personal experience, and like we've even said, Wizards does. Like our whole argument about about Magic design is that they don't get to play enough games. I have a very small sample size right now. I might be doing something wrong. Um, yeah. And if I am, then then I'll have to, you know, I would have to change my deck. But we'll see this weekend what innovates and stuff. There's going to be a lot of magic played this weekend. We're going to see the Red Bull and Tap Tournament. We're going to see everyone that 10 O's uh, or 10 X, XO's, X1's, the the Mythic. By by Saturday night, we're going to have be really, really have a good look at this format and see what's actually doing well. Um, yeah. 
But to get people there, I I think that um, I think Team Wreck is probably Team Wreck or Bant would be one of the two decks that I would choose. Yeah, I would pick Bant for sure right now. If I if I was playing in either event, um, and that makes sense. I, I when I was playing with the deck, it was pretty good, but. I felt like all I feel I, I think that all the sacrifices you have to do to beat Jeskai Luka and Team Arek, um hurts Bant more than the concessions you have to make for Team Arek to beat Jeskai Luka. Because I, I do just like Team Arek just feels very good to me right now. It just feels like it has a clean sideboard plan. It has very efficient spells. Um, mm-hmm. It can punish people in a lot of different ways. It's a gross spiral Euro deck that makes your char- shark typhoons better in these matchups. It, mm-hmm. it it if you ever try to fight it and it wins the battle, it just gets to untap and 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 then play uh, wilderness reclamation and really punish you. Yeah. Um, and and I think that you know shark typhoon plus blast zone plus even brazen borrower means that like the teferis are not as big of an issue as they used to be. The deck is just getting better and more efficient at beating yeah. teferi. Honestly, bro, I think we're like really loving the exact same elements of each of the deck because they both do really similar things. You're able to play these great counter spells in the main, um, you know, as well as like Night Pack Ambusher, these sticky threats that you can play on your opponent's turn, as well as they're both great Shark Typhoon decks. And it's just basically, do you want like the companion side or do you like that combo side a little bit more? And I, I don't think I can really fault anyone for playing either of those decks. I think they both feel very similar in the ways that their good cards are very good against Jeskai Luka and their deck is powerful enough to beat the aggro decks. Uh, it's just kind of which flavor you like, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. It, oh, go for it. I was going to say, it seems to me that like Bant is just the most like well-rounded deck. And then like Teamer is the best, uh, like the of, of the like the three pillars it's like Jeskai is the best proact of, of like just being a proactive deck teamer is like skewed sorry not the best but Jeskai is skewed towards being proactive teamer is skewed towards being more reactive and bant is just the most like well balanced but maybe not the best at any particular element like is that yeah is yes. that a reasonable it, way it, to- it, yeah i mean bant bant yorion is actually um it is just a control deck. The only green it's, cards. It's Azorius it, control. Exactly. It, it is. It is actually Azorius control, but it runs night night pack in the sideboard and then Uro and Gross Spiral in the main deck. Those are the only green cards in the deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, the thing I loved about that version is Nightpack Ambusher took advantage of such a hole that people were sideboarding to beat these Jeskai Luka decks. Like they were bringing in Dovin's Veto, they were bringing in Negates and Mystical Disputes, and. Nightpack Amateur gets around all of them pretty effectively, and I think that's why he had so much success, and that's why Team Wreck, I think, has that extra angle of attack as well. Yeah, and and excuse me, the, the deck does play Tamiyo too, which is re- really fun with counter spells. Um, yeah, yeah Tamiyo's just, just so mean. It just seems like for like people who want to play this format, like you can kind of just pick what lane you enjoy playing the most. Though, like if you if you yeah. like to. Play a more proactive game plan, you know, pick your Jeskai deck, tune it for whatever the current metagame is like, you know, yeah. maybe maybe more counter spells if it's if it's skewing towards like Bant and uh, Teamer or, you know, the more anti-aggro fire style if it's skewing towards aggressive decks. Um, yeah. But anyway, like that's a good that's just a good strategy for people who like to do the, the cool tap outy stuff. And then, you know, if yeah. you like to do the if you like to do like the reactive combo-y stuff go for teamer if you like to do the more like mid-rangey control stuff go for bant like it just yep. seems like there it seems like you really could just 
pick which style you enjoy the most and, and just metagame it for whatever successive week there is. And I think one thing that throws the deck over either deck over the top is when Elspeth Conquers Death is good in a metagame. I think Bant is just absurd, but yeah. when it's just okay, I think Team Wreck is, you know, a little bit better of a choice. Uh, and it's just showing yeah, the power sense. level of that. It's the power level of Elspeth Conquers Death because whenever you bring back like Tamio and you get to start with fresh mana and you look at your graveyard and you have options of anything to bring back to cast, those are those are the times when that deck feels like absolutely absurd. Yeah, what about what about this mana here? It looks yeah. fresh. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I actually think that that is a that is a good assessment of this because right now I actually think that um, of of any time that this standard format's been around, that Elspeth Conquers Death is at its ultimate low. Agreed. Because it's only good against Team Arek and and Jeskai Luka and Bant. And it's not even that good against Team Arek. Like it's yeah, no, not that it's hard not. to resolve. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is difficult to get it to resolve at the right time, and it also just clogs up your hands when you're both just playing Drago. Yeah. Like it used to be good against the aggro decks, and it's good against like Mono Black Obosh or whatever. But it used to be really good against even Mono Red, just taking their Annex, taking their Ember Cleave if you survive a hit and stuff like that. And just the aggro decks are all just being like, okay, I'm only going to play one drops now to make that a dead card and hope I win that way. And Boros Cycling has no targets except one Lurus. So. Well, I think I think that's more Elspeth Conquer's Death would be better in those matchups if you actually had like Pyroclasms or something like. If you yeah. could clean up the early things, then hit their bigger thing, then Elspeth Conquer's Death would be good. The problem is mm -hmm. the way that these decks are built is they don't have the actual utility cards to beat the spray. Like, like yeah. you can't check their first threats. Yeah, they really rely on now uh, Glass Casket in Bant for those aggro decks and Shatter the Sky. If you don't draw like one or two of those in the first couple turns, you're just, you're dead. Yeah, it, that's that's why Bant struggles that matchup where Jeskai Luka can beat it because they also have Agreed. one mana removal or two mana removal. They have Fires and Clarion, so they can like multiple spells. They also just have Omen. And Omen of the Sun shuts down aggro so hard. That card it's is actually so mean. just it's so good. It's like gain yeah. a little bit of life, block some things. Then you can. I mean, sometimes you just Yorian on five, just blinking, just that, and yeah. then you have a four, five, and two one ones. Like that's good enough for a turn. Yeah, and one thing that we just cannot overstate here is that Jeskai Luka is just the best Yorian deck, in my opinion. Whenever you get the free mana with Yorian, that is just the best thing you can be doing. So it is a little bit more easily taken advantage of, but it's definitely the most powerful. Yes, it, it is exploitable, yeah. whereas Bant is yeah. more of a control deck and Jeskai Luka is more of a combo control, like more, yeah, I think it's combo control. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's easily controlled, and Team Iraq is just kind of the the. But yeah, so we, we we're we're going in circles here. What I want to say, just like the meta game, yeah. it just goes in circles. <laughs> so so here's like my key points to anyone that's playing a tournament. Prop and that's circles or regular. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 I'm losing bring a level of conspiracy oh, yeah. to every cast. What the hell? Didn't <laughs> didn't didn't like the government just confirm that aliens exist, and we all just didn't care about it. Oh, it's 2020, Brad. Aliens is so not a big deal. Yeah, dude. Aliens was like four or five years ago. Yeah. April I mean, didn't you of see the movie Crops? Yeah. <laughs> didn't you see that M. Night Shyamalan thing? We got that out of our system, you know? Yeah. No, like, oh, you didn't see the UFO videos, did you? I didn't, know. Oh, is God. it really real? I wanted to wait until, like, aliens are actually they on their way. They disclosed like video. You just have to go look it up. Like, they actually disclosed some videos, and I don't know what the... They're trying to say it's some kind of, like tech that we have and maybe it is but oh, it, it was that pilot right yeah 
Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, it's and absurd. honestly, I'm just like, I'm ignoring that for my brain. My brain just has so much chaos going on in 2020 that I'm like, I just don't want to hear about murdering bees or aliens coming. Like, can we deal with all the right, first right, let's, crisis? Let's, let's, let's right. We won't talk yeah. anymore about murdering bees. However, murdering hornets on the other hand. I just left everyone on a cliffhanger that actually cares about learning about standard. Um, <laughs> so I want to get back to that. Here is just my, you know, personal uh, rundown of deck choice for anyone that doesn't have any confidence in what they're playing. But I also do think that if you do have confidence in what you're playing, pick it. So uh, we talked a lot about these three decks, so we'll circle back to them. I, I Like I said, I think Boros Cycling is a very rigid um, strategy by default, and people have figured out what they need to do to fight it. So I am very nervous of this deck's numbers going into this weekend. Yeah, it seems bad to me. I think every deck has added either Glass Casket if they're white or the Scorching Dragonfire if their team are wreck. And if you shut down that Fox and Recruiter, especially if you can exile them so they can't bring it back with Luris, the deck is so easy to beat. Yeah, and and then, um, well, they also just figured it out where you have to you have to beat their aggro plan and then you have to counter their things. And yeah. they're always they're yeah. always they're they're always going to have this game plan. And so people are starting to figure out how to beat it. Right away, they didn't know how. They didn't have the cards. Mm -hmm. Now they do. Uh, yeah. For the for the Obosh decks, I think that Mono Red is weaker than Racto Sacrifice, and I think Racto Sacrifice has a chance to come back because of the way that these decks are playing. But like Brian said, these are underpowered strategies. Um, Racto Sacrifice has won the last two standard challenges on Magic Online. Now, I haven't played it much because I just don't particularly like these kind of decks. Um, I yeah. should have done my due diligence and played more with Racto Sacrifice. That, that That's on me. But I just, I can't get myself to come to, I just don't, if if the user experience with Cat Oven was better on MTGO, I would probably play this deck more. Yeah, I just it is kind of an aristocratty deck, and I know you love that kind of stuff, so. Well, I just, yeah, I just don't like the every turn I have to spend 20 seconds stealing my opponent one life and gaining one life, you know, like yeah, every it, time. It, it sucks. I can't believe it actually won the last two events. I was under the impression that that deck sucks. No, it's it's Racto Sacrifice Obosh has been starting to perform well because of the way that the format's been evolving and the way that it it has its abilities. Teamer Adventures is also another deck that's very fringe. It'll it, it'll probably see five percent this weekend, but I do think that it is a scary choice going into this weekend because my bold quote unquote prediction is that <laughs> Teamer Reclamation <Hey>. Teamer <laughs> Reclamation will be the the uh, the top deck uh, of the format. I think it's going to be the most played deck. I think a lot of the spikes are going to identify that this is the way to prey on Jeskai Luka and play it. And I think you're right. And so, and because Team Wreck has a good matchup against Team Adventures, that makes Team Adventures a harder choice. I think Team Adventures is the deck you want to play if Bant is going to be way more popular. But yeah. I, I don't think Bant is going to be way more popular. I think it's going to stay at, at its like 7 or 8%. Jeskai Luka, Teamer Wreck are both going to go a little bit up in play. Boros is really? going to come down. Rakdos is going to go up. So, oh, yeah. I, I disagree with you on the Jeskai Bant numbers. I think we're going to see inverse. I think Jeskai Luka is going to be less than Bant. I there think Bant is going gonna, is gonna to ride. Yeah, I really do. It was. It's just so embarrassing to play Fires in the face of all these counter spells. And I, I just don't see people falling for that trap because I do think people are going to scale back on their counters, but they're not going to get rid of them, you know? And and I think it is a very scary place to be playing Fires of Invention for this weekend. I, I think Bant's going to be um, a higher percentage. You, so you think that Bant 
let's just say we can actually we're not going to bet because it's illegal to bet. Yeah, of course. Illegal to gamble. But but let's just let's just uh, figure out the metrics here to say who's right or wrong next week. Yeah, let's let's use the let's use the Red Bull tournament because we can't get the actual data from the arena mythic invitational. Yeah, I agree. But I, I can agree. we'll get the the data of the who played what between Bant and Jeskai Luca from the Red Bull on tap. So let's just argue. I believe Jeskai Luca will have see more play than Bant. You think Bant will see more play than Luca? I do. Yeah, but I am in agreement with you that Team Iraq will uh, take the top spot. Okay. I mean, isn't this yeah. too far in the future to predict? It's like two days from now. That is, that is, that it, it is. It, everything will be so different by then. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I think, know. like, there could I, be a I'm, new also, deck. I'm also going to be the person, like, confirming that the data is correct. Like, I think Mardu Dirty Scrotum will be the most played deck. Like, yeah. you know, like, it hasn't been invented yet, but it will be in two days. So. Demir Scrotum. Honestly, people like, you know, playing Jeskai Luka versus playing Bant, I think could differ and stuff. But one fact I think is going to happen for sure is that Bant is going to overperform over Jeskai Luka for sure. I could be wrong on the numbers. I'm still sticking with that more people are going to realize Bant is a better choice. You should 100% become a politician. I should? From my flippy floppiness? or. I think the fact that I'm pretty sure might be. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm keeping I'm keeping my uh, my window open here for wiggle room. My yeah. opinion, which is correct, might be All the, the time fact could be. that this yeah. could. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. So because of that, though, I think that that takes a little weaker of a choice. But yeah, so I'm going to call it. I'm going to say that Team Arec is going to be the most played and best performing deck of the weekend. Um, I think that Jeskai Luka is going to be the second most played and have good but medium results. I think that this deck is going to come in close to around a, you know, a 50, uh, a low 50s percentage of win percentage, if I had to guess, like a 52, 3% win percentage. I don't think it's at a spot where it's just going to get annihilated by the metagame. Um, No, I I agree with you on that. I think Bant is going to stay around 6 to 10% of the metagame, and I actually think that it's going to have a rough tournament. Ooh, um, yeah, I think I'm, I think it's going to be around 14%. I think it's going to have a great tournament, and I'm even going to say it, Brad. I think it's going to take it down. You think it's going to take gonna Red win. Bull untapped? Yep, I'm calling it. Bant, Bant Yorian, piloted by a skilled magician that we know and love, is going to take down Red Bull events. So this is actually a very interesting thing to talk about, um, and this mm-hmm. is the last topic I'm going to have on standard and this is why this is why i kind of like the team Arec or bant deck choice more than just guy luca let's mm-hmm. take a look at just let's just use just guy fires karuga as the initial example red bull untapped and the mythic invitational qualifier both are effectively like losing out events because the red bull untapped is eight rounds of swiss day one cut to day two day two is single elimination the the wow. so you have to go 10 and one or better to qualify for the Mythic Invitational, or you have to just be undefeated on day two of the Red Bull. So because of this fact, the the, the structure of events matters. I don't think you could choose Jeskai Fires Karuga, even though I know I, I from the from the bottom of my heart, I feel like the moment that Bant and Jeskai Luka lose a little bit of their ground is the moment that that deck can come back. Yeah, um, because that's that. I think that's the only two bad matchups on this list for Jeskai Fires Kruga, but they're so bad. Um, yeah, the problem is their targets for uh, Agent of Treachery are so juicy in Jeskai Fires. That's the single worst problem for them. Well, it's that, but also Bant is also just just 
Good. ECD as well. Yeah, ECD and Agent of Treachery wrecked the deck. But but that's what I'm saying. Just guy Luke, yeah. just guy fires Kruga's just guy Luca matchup is so bad that it's like mm -hmm. hard to pick because you, what if you hit a landmine, it's gonna blow up in your face. Whereas like yeah, um, and same thing with just guy Luca because these tournaments are like that. If you run into Team Iraq prepared for you, it's really hard to win. Yeah. And maybe yeah. my percentages are are. I think I just need to learn how to play Just Guy Luka better because they can't be as bad as 05. I've never been dismantled in a matchup that badly um, when I'm, like, trying to win. And yeah. and I don't know what my problem is, but I was just getting beat up on. And so that's another reason well, why. let's not get hasty. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, though, I'm Brad, just when I played it. some matches, Brad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, though, bro, when I played it this last weekend, I was always down a game. So, I mean, I just had to you know, get lucky in 2-0 every match, but I'm with you. I don't think the deck is uh, at a good spot at all, so. Same, yeah. Corey. I've I've just been down a game, like, every match I've been playing lately, and I've only <laughs> been playing the best of ones, so it's yeah. real, wow. <laughs> real pain. I'm, I'm, I'm all the, I, I have gotten to bronze four, though, so. Oh, good job, bud. Good job. Yeah, you're, so you're coming back. Closing my whole idea on standard, just so people can get through this, Um, I that's why I think that Team Wreck Bant, or or maybe Rakdos Sacrifice are the three decks that I would choose from if I wanted to play Rakdos. But because of the one and out kind of situations you're gonna get yourself into, I just don't know if Just Guy Luca, Boro Cycling, Teamer Adventures, are are or even Just Guy Fires, Kruga, are are strategies that um I would put, you know, put my tournament life on. Yep, I, I totally agree with you. And then, you know, we have decks like Jeskai, Winota, Teamer Elementals, and Mono they're Red just, Obosh. They're, they're too they're, inconsistent, in my opinion. Exactly. They're just bad decks. They cannot make it through these single elimination things because they just have in, inherent flaws within themselves, not just bad matchups, you know? Exactly. Like, Jeskai, yeah. Winota is just a difficult deck to get 10 wins with. I mean, yeah. even Teamer Adventures, honestly, I would I, I, I think can get 10 wins. Uh, I mean, Brian and I both have done it with the deck. And the, yeah, the format is sweet. getting more controlling right now. And if you just make sure that maybe if you just make sure that deck has enough answers for teamer reclamation, that um, it might be a fine strategy, honestly. But that's a strategy. I just don't know if that exists, if you can do that. You know, I mean, like, we had to do it in the past. I bet we can still do it. Um, yeah. But that yeah. that is a deck that I think if you're very good with and tuned with and strat and practiced with, that's a deck you should play, too. Um, yeah. But that that is my assessment of this format. We'll see if those things come true. Um, if you are playing in Red Bull Untapped, I will be working on the back end on customer service and also just hanging out in the uh, the melee Discord. So if you're in there, there'll be a standard room for the events um, this weekend. Wait, uh, I'll be crushing, bro. Working on the crushing. back end, Brad. Again, this is not the Astros <laughs> podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. tomorrow, dude. That's tomorrow. Well, well, well. Oh, that's tomorrow. Good, because that's when we can talk about if we actually don't run a good four thousand person tournament. We're totally going to be. <laughs> yeah this is gonna be a big weekend but uh i i think you guys can do it i have faith that that platform is just by far the best thing i've ever used and, this, and we've done a lot like of cool a, updates is this like a succession type thing yeah oh is he trying to take my spot <laughs> trying to take over trying to take over the company here hey i mean when when somebody fails there needs to be some stepping up and why not keep it in the family you know well yeah. let's let's keep it in the family with our cast and crew how about that yeah let's do it Let's do it. Let's do it. So for do anyone it. that doesn't know, our cast and crew uh, is supporters from the Patreon. It's the only business allowed to force the employees to pay us. 
Um, yeah. We, but 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 we it's legal. We've ch- we've checked with our our lawyer. Do we do we still employ a lawyer? <laughs> We don't, we don't employ do a lawyer. We don't, we don't employ yeah. a lawyer. Also, it's completely illegal. Okay, uh, correct. Also, right. also if you're guess. a lawyer and want to join the casting crew, give us five bucks a week and we got it. Okay, and then, and then you can be one of our employees. We do not have yeah. any benefit systems in place, or and and, yeah. and and no and no free or paid overtime. Anyway, one thing we do have is lawsuits pending, though. So. <laughs> and many, many cease and desists. Yeah, many. <laughs> And we will not cease or desist. I, I'm willing to do one or the other, but definitely not both. Yeah, yeah we won't budge on that. I think we also have a breach of contract. Um, but, we, but, but, but we don't. Yeah. Anyway, um, to become part of our cast and crew, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast and support the wonderful work, quote unquote, that Corey and I do, along with our very, very, very special guest, which happens to be Brian Brown doing this week. Yeah. yeah, maybe we can improve that next week, though, Brad. But hey, for now, not bad. A solid C minus. Very. Uh, I was. I was. I would go with uh, with an A, and U S plus. <laughs> All right. Our first member of our cast and crew is E J Wren, and he is Corey Downplayer. Woo! Could you tell us what a downplayer is? I can't. We'll save that. For the time. for the next time. <laughs> All right, next up is I've, I've blocked EJ Wren by the way uh, from my call. You know he just cannot contact me anymore. He's he's tried to tone me down too many times, and I just, <laughs> I'm an up guy, you know. Yeah, All you right. can't you can't be managed. You don't have a manager. Next yeah, up is know. Alex Arnaldi, who is our data analyst. Um, mm-hmm. Now you would think, why is that not on the Thursday podcast? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, the Aspros podcast, but that's because Alex Ronaldo is actually branching out. He is also, he's our data analyst on that podcast, but Whoa. over here, he's our data yeah. analyst. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a crossover event basically. Yeah. yeah. All right. Our next member of the Caxton crew is Paul Kaczorowski. Jeez, you're just B- getting worse. Hey, you know, I mean, I got to try different things. You keep saying I'm wrong and BBD already opened his Diet Pepsi in the pre-show. So that's right. You know, <laughs> wasted yeah. it. Wasted exactly. a good can for nothing. But you know what we didn't waste was that picture because BBD opened it while looking at a wall and Paul Kakarowski is BBD's wall staring photographer. So captured every moment and <laughs> captured it. Me, captured me looking great. Thanks to Spoontongue, BBD's hairstylist, keeping this Dome chromed, as they say. <laughs> Nobody says that. Yeah, I know. I realized shortly. <laughs> Is okay. that how you got on the show with that 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 great dome of yours? <laughs> no, actually, I got on the show thanks to David Watt, our special guest screener, who, who reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. Oh, I, I that, totally thought that they that, that David was going to call somebody else this week. Uh, he said he called five hundred and thirty seven other people. They all said no. <laughs> wow, I feel like the bell of the ball. <laughs> yeah, they all said no. Yeah, we tried to get Brian Gottlieb uh, to talk about his newest article, but even he had the same things to say about our podcast as uh, his disconcerting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so. <laughs> yeah. we, we call we call Brian, and he said no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so then we just decided to talk about his stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, according to Dave, I've just got an update from him. He asked 537 people and then he just started going alphabetically down a name book 
And he said when he got to Brian, he actually he actually contacted like 14 other Brian's in the magic community. Like Kibler said no, Gottlieb said no, David Marshall BDM said, said no. no. Yeah, he finally got to me. I said yes. So Well, that's I'm sad that Brian David Marshall said no. He'd be he would yeah, make yeah. for an excellent special guest. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, uh, next up we got Victor Beauchamp, who is our executive producer. Now there isn't a lot to bro down on. Given that the stay-at-home orders and the 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 slow descent into uh, insanity based on staying at home forever, mm, I haven't yes. seen another person in weeks. <laughs> Even BBD. You, well, you've seen you've seen me, but I don't really count as a person. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. as much <laughs> as an enigma, he yeah. got kind of got away with a technicality on that one. So, uh, <laughs> next next member of our cast and crew is Symbol. This is our executive waste management operator. A lot of shit around this thing, and uh, you know, I, we we need someone to manage a crew. Well, we need we need it. we need Symbol to take all of the shit from this episode and bring it to Thursdays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. So, Brad, Brad, I hate to tell you, this podcast comes out on Thursday. Well, oh yeah, to Fridays. <laughs> all right, all right. So, Corey, I want to let you know that every time you go to pronounce Symbol's name, I do like yeah. a little like. I know you do. I do a little <laughs> interpretive dance, like in expectation of the name being pronounced wrong. Lately, yeah. you, you don't pronounce it wrong anymore, but I just want you to know that I still do the dance every time. <laughs> I know, and I still never hear the end of it. Yeah, and, that's uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next up we have Rabbit Chicken, Vice President of Video Operations. I am an avid viewer of this podcast. There's there's dozens of us. And rabbit chicken fulfills all of our needs. So, yeah. Um, somebody else who fulfills all of our needs is Jeremy Geldy, who is the assistant to the assistant regional manager. Somebody who hates that they have to fulfill our needs is uh, Sultan Abbasi, and that is our heavy editor. We have a normal editor, but uh, there is a lot of stuff that doesn't even make it to this Bash Bros podcast. You guys won't even believe the stuff we say in the pre show. That is right. We also have yeah. Pierre Vendelbo, our BVP companion with rules text, can't be played from the sideboard. Unfortunately, Pierre is shortly going to be banned from our podcast. Yes, but our <laughs> level concerns. So, but that that design might just get him a job. That is right. In, in play design, it's beautifully designed. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up is Time Ghoul, who is our actual factual manager. Uh, it's, it's, it's a role that, that, you know, we butt heads sometimes because, uh, we like to do things one because way. We're butt heads. Mm-hmm. We are butt heads. Mm-hmm. Yes. We like to do things one way and he likes to do things that are more profitable or consumer friendly or, you know, something that the users will actually enjoy or. Time Ghoul doesn't care about the long-term health of our podcast. He's only in it for the short term gains. <laughs> really yeah. It really is. His managing tactics are scary. I, yeah. I'll say it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up is Eric Knoll. And Eric Knoll is uh, someone I actually turned into an emote on my personal Twitch channel. Corey B underscore MTG, as Brad has alluded to. Uh, where there is a Brian Brown doing hiding behind a dump truck. And, uh, you know, he, no, he was you're, you're just wrong. You, you don't know what a dump truck is. Oh, sorry. It was a dumpster. All right. yes. I ruined the joke. He's the dump truck. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll Eric, Eric no was week. the dumpster, but then evolved into the dump truck. Yeah, that's where I got lost. It's, so, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's the one person allowed to be mobile on our cast and crew because it's an essential worker. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for when he becomes the waste processing facility yeah. and or the landmine. 
Or, or if you want to get to the trashiest level you can, uh, BBD's bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is pretty trashy. I, I, like the idea, I like the evolution of going to the waste management uh, center into a, what are they called? That like, that, that, that pay Land politicians. Bill? No, that pay politicians. Uh, political action committee. Is there yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about going into that until he's eventually just president. <laughs> I think the most suppressing thing that he can reach as his final form is the ocean, where we dump all our trash. Yes. All right. oh. Next up is <clears throat> IPA for breakfast. Our master bartender, IPA for breakfast, provides us with all the best drinks and only between the hours of 6 and 11 a.m. Yeah. Now, now we did get a new cast and crew member. Um, so our, our both our edit, editor and heavy editor were saying that um, we need to start worrying about our public image because yes. um, we kind of just talk a lot of shit and we don't yeah. back that shit up. Yeah, very we obvious do, We reasons, do back yeah. that ass up every Friday. Oh, oh yes, <laughs> yeah. we back that ass up. <laughs> That I, okay, okay. I'm gonna just be honest. I was throwing that alley oop up. Hobbit. I knew it was floppy. I didn't know if anyone would get it. Oh, but Brian was, was there. Oh god, yeah. Brian gets every single. Oh yeah. Pun. It's a it's, it's a gift, really. <laughs> yeah, I was anytime was there. there's a hole in our podcast related to butt jokes, I will fill, I will plug it. And so. on brand, Samuel Stroman <laughs> is strolling in as our public relations expert. Yeah, because. Which, to be honest, we need the help. So, oh, yeah, we definitely yeah. need the help. <laughs> oh, yeah, more, m- much more than than what 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 they're going to be able to do. But... I mean, I haven't related to the public in a long time, so I agree. I need something. <laughs> public relations, Did I get it right? I don't think you get what public relations are. <laughs> no, I, I haven't been in the public, a Brad, and I haven't had a lot of relations with people in the public. So uh, that seems like this. Uh, we'll check. Samuel is very. Yeah, we'll check with funny. Sam to see if that that's 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 good to go in. But until then, okay, cool. That is it for the Bash Bros Podcast. We will be back next week with another episode. But until then, good luck in all of your tournaments, your content consumption, and your quarantine. Because the most important thing is to have fun, be okay, and just get through this. And we can get through it together. Until then, this is the Bash Bros Podcast. And we're signing out until Friday when we do the Astros Podcast. Mm -hmm.